Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of the Running Effect podcast with Dominic Schleter. I'm your host, Dominic, and today I get to welcome on to the podcast the one and only Emily Covert. Emily is an incredibly accomplished runner for the University of Colorado, where she is a four-time All-American. Most notably, Emily placed fourth last year in the 10K at the 2022 NCAA Outdoor Track and Field Championships. Emily has a very storied career from high school state championships in Minnesota all the way up to Colorado years where she has done so many incredible things in the NCAA. And Emily uh, just has a lot of wisdom, and I thoroughly enjoyed my conversation with her, specifically uh, Emily's openness to talk about her injuries and setbacks. I think, as she says, that's something that's not talked about a lot in the running world, and I appreciated her openness and vulnerability to go through some of the tougher moments in her career, and I hope her talking about them will be beneficial to you all. One quick note before we hop right into things, I would greatly appreciate it if you give us a follow and a five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts if you have not already done so. And then something you can all do, whether you've done the previous thing or not, is share today's episode with a friend, a teammate, a sibling, a parent. Uh, Doing that helps us to reach new people and hopefully through that we can inspire them in the process. So without further ado, enjoy my conversation with the one and only Emily Covert. Emily, welcome to the Running Effect podcast. How are you doing this evening? I'm doing great. Thank you for having me. I've been looking forward to this. So first question for you, what was practice like today and what is like a normal practice look like for you guys? Yeah, I love that you started off with that question today. I actually worked out with um, Michaela, who's been on your podcast before, I believe, mm-hmm. and Val Constant. And we had, a, we had a workout today. I think we had 800 repeats, 8 by 800. Um, and then with two minutes and 30 seconds recovery in between. And I mean, it's great to have them around as post-collegiates, just to have people to work out with and people who I admire and want to be like after college. So um, yeah, that was my workout today. And typical week of training. I mean, I, my, my sweet spot is around 70. So I stay around 70 miles a week. Um, There's usually like two pretty hard workout days and midweek is more of a, a longer, harder workout session. And then uh, we do a little bit more uh, speed oriented stuff on Fridays uh, and then church of the Sunday long run on Sunday and then followed by real church. But it's like, <laughs> it's great. Um, our, our Sunday long runs, I think Colorado is known for having uh, a kind of a harder effort long run, but I value them. And yeah, in between we have easy runs and um, some strides maybe, but yeah, it's a typical week of training. I love it. I love it. So I want to dive deeper into what you were just talking about there, working out with Val and Michaela. And I feel like Colorado has a history of like some professionals sticking around and either being assistant coaches while like training with the team. And I've always thought that was very interesting. So can you maybe speak to being surrounded by individuals who, as you kind of said, you one day want to be like, and like the whole belief that you're the average of the five people you spend the most time with. So obviously it's great if you have a excellent college team like you do, but even better if you have some professional runners in the mix and an Olympian in Val's case. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's definitely great to have them around and, um, I don't know if I can I can tell you this um, right now, but Val just signed a contract with um, a team. So it's so exciting to um, watch her join, um, I mean, these world teams and the Olympic teams and then 
uh, she wasn't even signed with a with a, a brand yet. And so now, like, I, I just get so excited for for like athletes like her who have come such a long way in the sport and um, yeah, and working out with her and just like looking up to her and her work ethic and just kind of mimicking her and mirroring her. Again, we are a combination of the five people we spend our most time with and I'm just so happy that I'm able to spend a, a great amount of time with, uh, with Val and Michaela because they're both great individuals, but also we don't run the same events. So it's never gonna be like, um, I mean, it's just, it's it's fun because I'll hop in a, in a workout with them that's more speed oriented and then they'll hop in a workout with me that's more kind of lactic threshold um, or like tempo type of workouts. And so, um, yeah, it's great to have them because we kind of get a mix of every workout and, um, yeah, uh, having having someone like Val is is amazing, but also someone like Michaela who's just like uber focused. And it's Michaela is like a great person to just have around when you need to be calm. And if you ever watch her race, she'll just sit and then she'll just kick at the end. And her sit and kicks are amazing to watch, but she's also just so poised and so calm. And yeah, I, I look up to both of them. They're great. We're recording this on March 28th. It might come out like a, a week or so afterward. But in this time period, what's kind of like your mindset where I'm sure you're training really, really hard and races are just around the corner, but they're not like soon enough that you're going to dial back training. So how do you approach this kind of time period? And do you enjoy those periods of really, really hard training while gearing up for a race? Or is it like, please just be race day already. Yeah, I'm actually really happy that you brought this up. I'm I'm redshirting this outdoor season so I can have a full two years of eligibility, but I will be running unattached. So I think on the calendar, we're gonna try to put um, the sound meet that's in early May and I'll, I'll um, kind of have my, I guess, rust buster there or, um, not even a rust buster. I'll probably try to get some time trials in before then. But I'm I'm looking forward to just having a long block of training. Um, that uh, consistency, I believe, is the most crucial thing in this sport. If you can stay consistent and you can have a good day every day, it's just going to pile on top of each other. And then next thing you know, you're going to be running personal records and um hopefully winning races so i'm just really excited to just put my head down and work really hard and then hopefully be able to do some really big things this fall so is it sad or exciting to be like out of the ncaa for for this period because obviously you've been immersed in the ncaa the past few years you're on an ncaa team so is it kind of bittersweet to to leave it for a little bit before coming back um yeah i would say watching my teammates compete is is great i love i i love um i mean i love cheering them on but it's also kind of it's hard to watch because i mean i'm feeling fit right now and i i want to get out on the starting line with them and just be able to run races with them i know um my training partner india uh i mean she's a big 10k runner and and it's her last year uh at cu so I mean, I wish I was on the starting line with her, but also I, I'm kind of playing the long game right now and just knowing that if I have two more years in the NCAA, 
I mean, I have these goals that I want to accomplish before I leave. So, um, yeah, I mean, it's bittersweet, but I'm, I'm playing the long game this time. So, yeah. Yeah, can you maybe talk to that aspect of playing the long game and, and playing your cards, right? Um, of course, you don't have an unlimited amount of time within the NCAA. And as much as it seems like the case with people taking like seventh years uh, these days with the COVID eligibility, but like, what's that? How important to you is that to, um, you know, sit down with your coaches, with your teammates, with your loved ones and make the best calculated decisions for yourself? And that could be, you know, aside from, just uh you know redshirting it could be you know handling injuries or taking a step back or listening to your body how important is that to you yeah honestly i kind of picture this year as a regrouping year in the fall i dealt with an injury and then this winter i got mono so um this year has kind of just been let's regroup we know what you're capable of emily calm down take your time you have so much time and so, um, yeah, I sat down with my coaches and next year, Colorado is likely hosting Pac-12s. So we made the decision to redshirt this outdoor season so I could race at home for Pac-12s next year. And it all kind of weirdly aligned perfectly. Like, um, I'm, I'm totally okay with redshirting this year just because I think I needed to regroup and just get a solid block of training under my belt. And I mean, there's something about kind of getting held back from racing. And then once you're finally let free to just run, I mean, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna go when I can. So um, yeah, I'm, it's, it's bittersweet. Like, like you said earlier, I mean, it's hard to watch your teammates run and not be on the starting line with them and want to help them out the best way you can. But I'm just going to try to help out in other aspects, whether I can just support them off the track and um, provide, you know, just um, just provide my assistance in anything I can. So, yeah. What's it like kind of being an older woman on the team and, and being now in the position where you can kind of give advice to people? Not that you can at a younger age, but it's definitely easier to when you're more mature and have been in the program for a few years. Have you kind of <clears throat> embraced that like mentorship role over the past year? Yeah, I'm yeah, I'm happy you brought that up because last year um, our team was um, basically all seniors and fifth years and I mean, six years. So uh, from our top seven last year, only two of us came back this year. And so I had to just shift my focus because I was the young one on the team last year. And I just kind of would follow the older girls. And I mean, my training partner, Abby Nichols, was just like, I looked up to her, whatever. And like, whatever she would do was basically like, oh, if Abby's doing that, like I can do it. And I would just follow her. So I kind of just like, took um what i learned from abby and i'm trying to um kind of act as a role model for the younger girls on the team like this is this is what you can do to be good you know like you don't have to have that um that idea of you know like that's implemented in the sport like being thinner is faster that's not how you get faster in the sport um, and so I just try to set like a good example for the younger women on the team, just because I know that 
it's about the long game in this sport. It's not about the quick fix that you can do to be, just be fast. It takes being good takes time, and it's all about consistency, stacking every day on top of each other. And I just try to um, emphasize that to the younger girls on the team. So taking this leadership role has been a challenge, but it's also a challenge that. I believe will pay off for our team in the future, and um, and I I honestly enjoy it. Like I en I enjoy um, giving advice, and I enjoy trying to um, just set an example and a, a positive ex example, or be a positive influence for the younger women. So you mentioned uh, having mono this past winter. I actually had what we thought was mono last spring, and I ended up not getting diagnosed with mono. They couldn't figure out what I had, but the symptoms were almost exactly like mono. So I fully sympathize with you where, like, I mean, legitimately, uh, like that previous winter of training, I did, like, a 10-mile tempo at 550 average, felt amazing. And then as soon as this, like, disease that felt like mono hit me, it was like, running two miles at eight minute pace like was more difficult um so i completely know what it's like so i'm curious can you take me through that experience and just ultimately like having to listen to your body as hard as it is but like literally being forced to stop running yeah i mean it was it was hard because i wasn't sure what it what was going on at first i just thought that i was i mean i was working out um, with again Val and Michaela, the older women, and I just thought that my body was maybe extra fatigued from doing harder workouts. And then I laced up my shoes for an indoor race, and I was feeling a little under the weather. I knew, I mean, it was hard for me to run eight minute pace on my easy days, which is just not really like me. Um, so I knew something was wrong and I just couldn't put my finger on what it was exactly. And then once I raced my, my indoor 3K, I came to the conclusion that I had to get tests done. I had to figure out what was going on. And a friend of mine tested positive earlier for mono. So I was like, maybe we should just see, um, see if it's mono. And um, so, yeah, I... I got some tests done after that 3K and it was crazy because during the race, I kept trying to make a surge. I kept trying to go faster and my body just would not move. It would like, I, I would make the surge and then I would go for a little bit and I just like physically could not move my legs. And um, it was hard because I felt like I was in the best shape of my life leading up to that race. And then, I mean, obviously, um, afterwards, I, I knew something was wrong. And then, yeah, I tested for mono and the results were, I mean, positive. So, um, yeah, it was, it was actually, it was hard, but it was nice to kind of know what was going on and be like, okay, well, at least there's an explanation to why you feel this way. So, um, yeah, I had validation, but I mean, no one wants to go through that amount of fatigue or that 
kind of illness. So. Right. Oh, it's brutal. I would not wish it upon anyone. Uh, absolutely horrible. Like even I remember, like for me, again, it wasn't mono, so, but there were definitely a lot of similar symptoms. Like I would sleep like nine hours and then like by midday, I would be absolutely exhausted and have to take a nap, like be forced to take a nap because I was just so tired and I wasn't even running at that point. Like I couldn't even physically run. Um, but it does, I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this, like coming back from it, it almost makes running all the more special and makes you aware that a lot of times we take the sport for granted. And like, even on the easy days when the wind is blowing in your face and you're complaining in your thoughts about the run, like when you're injured or in the moments of sickness, you think to yourself, I would do anything to trade this for even those experiences of like the miserable days at practice. Um, so what are your thoughts on like almost the, the sicknesses, the injuries, the setbacks, almost making the sport more special and making you more appreciative of it? Yeah, I mean, there was a period in my life where I was diagnosed with stress fracture after stress fracture. And it, the, it went on for, I mean, a year and a half. And so when I had this little blip with mono and with the injury in the fall, I thought to myself, this is nothing compared to what I went through with my transition going into college. Like if I could get through that, I can, I can do this. This is fine. You know? And so, I mean, it's, it's funny cause I look back on instances in my life and I feel like when you know your purpose in life, like I, I believe God gives everyone a purpose in life. And so I think I found mine very young and I'm like, okay, I know what I'm meant to do. I know what I was put on this earth to do. And I'm not going to stop at anything until I achieve what I want to achieve because I, I have this fire in me and it's like, okay, give me the setback. That's fine. I'll overcome it. And it might take a year. It might take a month. It might take, I don't know, 10 years, but whatever, whatever happens, I know that, I mean, anyone with the mentality that, I mean, they know their purpose in life will be able to overcome whatever boundary or whatever obstacle is in their way. Oh, I love that. That's so powerful. Appreciate <laughs> you sharing that and your thoughtful words on that. Maybe going into that a little bit more as someone who's experienced, as you said, injury after injury after injury, what would maybe be some advice to a listener right now who's struggling with an injury or setback, having been through so many yourself, what is some advice to those people as to how to get through them and how to uh, mentally stay sane and believing in yourself during that time. I mean, when you even said that, I kind of got chills because I remember when I was going through that really rough time in my life where I would try to find other people's testimonies about how they overcame injuries and I couldn't find anything. And I was like, I don't think I'm ever going to overcome this because I don't, people aren't really transparent about it. And my advice for someone going through a rough patch with running, whether it be sickness or injury, is just to know that if you can stay consistent and you can um, be persistent and um, just doing the little things every day, just trying to get back, like things will fall in place. It might take a long time. It might be, for me, it was a two or three year journey, but everything kind of started to align again and you're it's fall in love with the process don't don't just think about or don't watch other people race just fall in love with your process everyone is in their own journey with whatever they're doing in life so don't compare yourself to other people don't try to 
uh, rush back into things. Just take things at your own pace. Um, that would be that would be my advice for someone coming back from something. Like you don't have to rush anything. Everything will come to you if you stay patient and you do um, you do everything right every day. Going off of what you were saying as you were talking there, um, and you were talking about comparison there, uh, it reminded me of a quote I came across last week. So I want to get your thoughts on this quote. The quote is. Compare yourself to who you were yesterday, not to who someone else is today. Oh, that's great. That's a that's a great quote. I mean, again, I remember I would compare, like, when I was going through that rough time, I would compare myself to my myself when I was running better and I would be like oh I just I look different I don't I don't feel the same like what's going on the this pace doesn't feel right when it, like it did um in when I wasn't injured anymore but it's it's crazy because it's almost like when I was when I was going through that rough time in my life I would constantly compare myself to athletes that were running well at that time and and it's like their journey is will look completely different to my journey so why would i compare myself to anyone other than again my myself yesterday i just want to constantly be getting better and better and yeah i mean you just have to fall in love with the journey i love that quote that was a great quote yeah i think that the saying comparison is the thief of joy is one of the most true things ever and Truly, when I think back to my life or through conversations with others, like the joy of life is sapped away when you compare your journey to someone else's because we're all unique. We're all made unique. And that, that's what makes us special at the end of the day. Like, Emily, if we had the same exact life, like this conversation would not be interesting because we'd really have nothing to, <laughs> nothing to talk about. And bringing your uniqueness and your story like to the world and knowing that, you know, uh, l- let me say this. Out of the 170 podcasts I've ever done, from Olympians to national record holders to NCAA champions to NCAA record holders to high school national champions, like the accomplishments go on and on and on. No one made it to that point the same way. Everyone had a different path. And I think that is so special and, and such an important thing to realize that like no two paths are the same. So when you experience a setback or challenge, one, realize that so many other people have gone through probably far worse than you and and bounce back from it. But two, like use that as an opportunity to grow and as an opportunity to kind of add on to your story and add on to your legacy in that way. And uh, a lot of times I feel like the the peaks of the sport are all the more meaningful when you'd been in a valley previously. So any thoughts on any of that? Yeah, I I agree. I feel like you... I, I know God only gives everyone what they can handle. And so whenever I'm going through a really rough time or if I am de- if I'm dealing with an injury, I'll think about um, I know that it's something I can get through. I know that I'm I'm able to handle it and um, yeah, I I believe that I wouldn't have felt the way I did um, placing at nationals last year if I um, I wouldn't have been as, as grateful if I didn't go what I went through um, to get to that point in my life. So, yeah. Yeah, let's talk about that race. You ended up placing fourth in the NCAA women's 
uh, national championship, outdoor track and field championships, uh, 10K last year. What was that experience like, and how special was that to you after the the years of adversity to cross the finish line and, and fourth? Uh, obviously, an incredibly special accomplishment, especially after everything you had to go through to get there. Yeah, I remember. I, I remember crossing that finish line, and just thinking to myself, like, I'm I'm just so grateful to be here. Like, I. I obviously like, I mean, everyone wants to win. Everyone wants to like be the best. But in my eyes, I view that as like, just bettering myself is means so much more to me. Like if I can just, if I can just get a PR or if I can just make it to that, make it to the finish line, like that would be success for me. And um, obviously other results like, winning a championship is definitely something I want to do in the future. But um, again, stacking the snacking, stacking the small wins will lead to ultimately the big win. You know what I'm saying? So um, yeah, I, it was, it was just, I had so much gratitude. Just, I was so thankful for everyone who supported me and everyone who stuck by my side, my coaches for believing in me even after I was in the midst of just a really dark time and so I I just have so many people to thank for even getting to that starting line and yeah I I can't wait to to do it again so yeah I love it can't wait to to watch it go down and to see you eclipse that that fourth place finish (laughs) in the future um one final note on kind of this this period of your career and dealing with setbacks and struggles there's a Latin phrase. It's actually the official motto of Kansas and a personal favorite like motto of mine. Uh, it's Latin. It's ad astra per aspera, which means to the stars through difficulties. I feel like when you were talking there, I'm like, man, this she has to get a tattoo or something of this because I feel like that that almost like encapsulates your career right there. Like you're shooting for the stars, you're hitting the stars, but there are so many difficulties along the way, and that's what makes it special. So, what are your thoughts on on that saying, ad astra per aspera? Yeah, no, that's that that's a good quote. I um I have a quote tattooed on my back that I got tattooed when I was going through a difficult time and it says God is within her, she will not fail. And I repeat that mantra over and over again, like when I'm going through a difficult time in running or just in life in general. Like I can't fail when I know that God's on my side. So I I mean, I believe that mantras are very um significant and everyone like everyone should have a mantra so whether that be like a bible verse or just a quote that's significant to someone like always repeat that in your head when you're going through something difficult i I believe i believe mantras are so significant especially in our sport especially in our sport you mentioned your relationship with god a few times in this episode and i always get excited when my guest is like like just a, a believer and faithful to to their faith journey so i'd love to give you the opportunity to kind of share your faith journey and your relationship with God and how it's not only impacted you within the sport, but obviously your life as a whole. Yeah. I mean, I just believe that like, do want to others as you would want done onto you. Like, that's just what I live by. If, if, um, someone's struggling, like I would want them to reach out or I would want someone to reach out to me if I were struggling. So like if someone's struggling, I try to reach out to people and just, I know that I've, I kind of just try to live more my morals through like, through my faith. And so 
that's really grounded me just not only as an athlete, but just as a person. And so, um, yeah, it's just kind of been my rock when things are, when things are hard or if I'm struggling, I always revert back to my faith. And I just, I know that, um, I can't fail through like in God's eyes. So, I mean, I'm never, I'm never going to fail if I, if I know what grounds me in life. So, right. And I would, I would say like, sure, there are quote unquote failures, but I would like to view them more as lessons and just kind of small aspects of chapters of of our life and uh, life wouldn't be meaningful or interesting. I like to think of my life as a book and it's like my book wouldn't be interesting if there weren't failures or low moments. Uh, Like who wants to read about just the sunshine and rainbow moments? So I guess um, maybe more questions surrounding this part of your career. Why is it important to you to share your journey as a whole and be on this podcast with me and answer some of my tougher questions regarding some of the lower moments of your career. When I feel like on social media, all you see is the sunshine and rainbow moments. Um, like why is it important to you to share your journey as a whole? Uh, I'm curious about that just because I think very, very few people do it and we need so many more people to do it because as you were saying, when you were going through that, you didn't really have anyone to look up to. Um, and everyone goes through low moments, but unfortunately very few share about it. So why is that important to you? I mean, that's exactly why it's because I don't think people share about their low moments. I think, um, I just want to, I want to be as transparent as possible, especially if I'm given the opportunity, um, to speak on, on my trials and like, again, I, when I was growing up, uh, I didn't have someone to look up to that shared their trials. I, I, I just had to kind of go through it by myself. And I don't want that young girl to not have anyone to look up to and just have to go through what she's going through by herself. I just want people to know that they're not alone. I mean, no journey in life is ever going to be linear. Um, and I can testify to that. So I think it's so important to share your trials because everyone goes through them. And um, so people know that they're not alone in this journey. Like, again, nothing is ever linear in life. So um, yeah, I want people to know that they have someone that can relate to them and everyone can relate to them. It's just a matter of sharing your story. So going back in time, can you take me through when you first got started in the sport of running? And in addition to that, what your first impressions of the sport were? I mean, I idolized my older brother growing up. And so whatever sport he did, I followed. And so whether it was travel basketball or if it was soccer, (laughs) I I just followed my brother. And then he joined the track team. And I, I mean, I, I told my parents, I was like, I'm, I'm going to join the track team. And they were like, oh, we already signed you up because we know Chris joined. So, <laughs> um, yeah, <laughs> at a young age, I started running competitively um, at the age of 12, maybe just um, running USATF track meets. And my parents had actually aligned our family vacations with my USATF track meets. So I was like, oh, this family vacation is like resting <laughs> on my shoulders. This 12 year old girl, she's got, she's got the family vacation on her shoulders. And I was like, gotta make it this year. It's in Florida. Oh gosh. Um, but yes, I ran competitively at a young age. I just fell in love with it. I fell in love with um, kind of getting to that fitness where I knew I could compete at a national level at a young age. And then once I joined, I joined the high school track team in sixth grade. 
and technically you weren't supposed to in, until seventh grade um but i just started practicing with the team in sixth grade i'd run in all the middle school races and i won every middle school race and that's kind of when i was like hey like maybe i could like take this to the next level and then in high school i gained a lot of success kind of right away but then you know your body changes and i um dealt with kind of a negative mindset uh probably starting sophomore year where i thought being thinner would make me faster and so that kind of spiraled into some unhealthy habits that took me a while to unlearn but i'm very grateful that i came to a program where i was able to unlearn them and then kind of recover and be able to I mean, achieve uh, success without having that mindset. So, I mean, in high school, it's easy to get caught up with all the noise because, um, I mean, you have these um, these platforms like Mile Split or um, just, I mean, other running platforms. And at a young age, you care so much about your image, I feel. Um, and I felt like I cared about my, my image a lot in high school and just wanting to, um, have so much success and I didn't again I, I didn't think about my journey as much I just wanted I just wanted to achieve success and w once I shifted that mindset in college I've been able to feel like there's more to look forward to and I'm able to have more longevity in this sport because of mindset shifting and um, and just having great people to look up to so I mean, I feel like I maybe detracted from your question. No, that is but, so uh, amazing. Yeah. I feel like normally when I ask people that question, it's like, yeah, my parents made me start in fifth grade. It was kind of fun. And then it's on to the next question. So I appreciate <laughs> that that detailed response. A lot of times I ask athletes to I, – I, I will ask something to the extent of like how often do you reflect on how, how far you've come in this sport and normally people take it from an athletic time perspective or place perspective – but I'd love to ask you that question in terms of a growth mindset perspective, because as you kind of illustrated there, you've come such a long way from your perspective and mindset and habits and rituals within the sport. So how often do you reflect on how far you've come as an athlete uh, in realizing that you're also a person and that matters and to treat your body the right way and to realize that, you know, running is not the end all be all and your image is more than what people see on mile split. Uh, how often do you reflect on that growth as a human being? I mean, I reflect on it a lot, but I also have a lot of older women to thank for that, um, to thank for my mindset shift. Like looking up to Sage Herta or Danny Jones when I first got on the team and just seeing how they kind of operated, I was like, wait, I don't have to do what I did in high school in order to be good. And so, I mean, even though it took a while to kind of shift that mindset, I had so many women around me that were talented and that were doing things the right way, where it was very easy for me to shift my mindset and kind of have a different perspective on how to uh, achieve success in the sport. And it's not only achieving success in placement, but it's achieving success internally and just knowing that I can be the best I can be every day and I can have a healthy mindset and running and that's success for me. Like being able to um, go at the sport at a healthy way, a healthy mindset and just being able to surround myself with people that better me every day. That is, that is success for me. 
I remember actually. I, I've known your name for quite some time. I'm a I'm an OG Emily Covert fan. Um, I remember when I was starting to get more involved and in, into the sport in like middle school. I remember thinking you were like the coolest girl ever because I remember. So I'm from Ohio, so I'm in the Midwest region, and I remember you won the the Foot Locker regionals, and you were wearing arm sleeves before everyone wore them. Like you were like the cool girl, and I just remember like this girl is so ba, and you ended up placing fourth at NXN that year, and I'm forgetting what you placed. I think you placed top 10 at Foot Locker that year. Um, so anyways, I just had to share that because it's a, a funny memory of mine in terms of like viewing the sport as a fan. Um, but I'm curious, out of all the incredible races from like the, the two Minnesota state championships on the grass to those NXN and Foot Locker experiences and New Balance Nationals, what race do you think is the most memorable from high school? Roy Griak, 2018. I, um, I mean, that was, that was so quick. I like, I could name that at the top of my head. It was so surreal because it, I mean, it was on Minnesota soil. I set the GRIAC record. I mean, college, uh, college athletes are there. And I mean, it was right before homecoming too. So I just had that to look forward to that night. And I was just like, okay, I'm going to go out. And I remember just smiling the whole entire race, feeling so like, confident and calm and just like, just having this wave of gratitude come over me as I finished and cross the, uh, as I crossed the finish line, there was just a huge smile on my face. Just, and just uh, my family was there. Everyone was there. And it, I just remember feeling so much gratitude after that race. And it just felt, it felt amazing. I remember flow track was there too. And they like filmed the, the race. So it's online. Like the whole race is online. And sometimes I found myself in high, in college, even like going back and watching it on the year anniversary and just being like, wow, I was just so happy. How was I? So I'm like, how was I smiling that much? I could never do that in a race now. I mean, I still smile, but like not that much. <laughs> That's awesome. So one final question for you regarding your, your high school years, if you could go back and give your high school self one piece of advice, what would it be? Just one? Oh my goodness. Um, or I guess, I mean, if you could go out to it, coffee with high school Emily, what would be some things you'd want to tell her? Maybe not one, if you want to talk about more than one. Um, well, definitely stop comparing yourself. You're on your own journey. Give yourself some grace. I mean, the, the journey is never going to be linear and you don't have to do everything perfectly. You don't have to live in this mindset where it's just eat, sleep and run. Like you have that space to go out with your friends. You have that space to connect with people that you haven't talked to before. Just like give yourself grace and stop being so hard on yourself. Like it's easy to put a smile on your face when you're doing well, but you don't have to always pretend that everything is going amazing all the time. Like, yeah, just you're human. Like you don't, you're not a robot. Don't, you don't have to do everything perfectly every day. Um, and just give yourself a little bit more grace because even though you are, um, you're an athlete and you feel like you have to do things a certain way, it doesn't always have to be done that way. You can be, you can be good without doing everything perfectly every single day. One final serious question for you. Uh, this is a, a very deep question, um, but I always find it interesting asking athletes of your age this question when they're not in the peak of their running career, but they're almost in like the peak state of mind where like 
they're they're good they're fast they have dreams and aspirations and hopefully you have many many more years ahead of a successful and, and positive trajectory within the sport so i always find this question interesting uh, for people of your age and, and within your state of life. The question is, what do you want people to think of when they hear the name Emily Covert after you hang up the spikes one day? I mean, again, I think the most important aspect of my life is my faith. So I want them to think of someone who just never gave up on her dream because she knew what her purp- God's purpose in life was for her. Like. I I don't want people to view me as an athlete. I want them to view me as a person who had great morals, someone who j- didn't care about, I mean, the result, but more about the journey, the process, someone who overcame a lot to be able to get to where she is, you know, and just at the center of her of her life was her faith and her focus on faith. And so... Um, that's the most important aspect of my life, and that's how I want people to remember me by. Oh, I love it, Emily. I'm I'm even such a bigger fan of you. Uh, I was a big fan coming into this conversation, <laughs> but your responses get me fired up. So one final question for you before we wrap this up. The question I ask every guest at the end of every show, if you had Gordon Ramsay coming over for dinner, what would you choose to make for him? And also, please tell me you're a good cook because I feel like the past five guests have all said they don't cook and have given me ridiculously lame answers. So no pressure. I mean, I know how to cook. Am I great? I I wouldn't say I'm amazing. All that matters is that you um, know how. That's that's big. I know how to cook. I know how to cook. But um, my friend Lexi has made this amazing, like, pesto salmon dish with like gnocchi and this I mean and like a sal a kale salad maybe so like pesto salmon with no with gnocchi and a kale salad or some sort of like salad I feel like he wouldn't like it but like that's my favorite that's my favorite meal so um that's what I would make him, but I don't know if he would enjoy it. Girl, you were just like, I don't know how to cook. And then you just named some elaborate dish that I've never had. And I've had a lot of food in my life. So you're killing it. You're killing it. On top of it, as always, uh, Emily, this has been such a fun conversation. And I can't wait to see all the incredible things that God has in store for you this coming year. So thank you so much for coming on the podcast today and looking forward to seeing you accomplish incredible things in the year to come. You're so great. Thank you for having me. And if you're ever in Boulder... Thank you so much for listening to today's episode of The Running Effect with Dominic Schleter. I don't take your time for granted, and I hope that today's episode impacted you and left you walking away inspired and all the more motivated to chase after your biggest goals and walking away a better version of yourself. Make sure you're following the podcast, have given us a five-star review, and consider sharing with a friend. Through that, we can reach new people and hopefully inspire them in the process. Also, make sure you're following us on social media at The Running Effect to stay up to date on all the exciting projects and all the new episodes coming out. Generally, we release two to three episodes per week, so stay tuned for all of those coming your way shortly. I hope you're running and life is going well. Guys, keep chasing mastery, and I will catch you in next episode.